Welcome to the Christian Life Podcast. At Christian Life, we're all about making disciples of all generations. If you'd like to connect with us and find out more about what's going on here, you can find us on Facebook at CLC Gridley, and of course on the web at clcgridley.org. We hope that God speaks to you through the message you're about to hear. Let's dive in together. Last week, I shared with you a story that's recorded in several old Jewish manuscripts that's said to have taken place in the time in between the Old and the New Testament. I shared with you this story, and the person in the story, his name's Honey. He's the man that, that stood up in the face of an incredible drought. He stood there. He drew a circle around himself. I mean, literally drawing a line in the sand, drawing a line around the problem, and cried out to God, saying he wouldn't leave that circle until God came through. I mean, that is a bold statement. He didn't draw a, a half circle with a way of escape. You know, he, he willingly stepped into this situation. He put himself into this situation with no other outcome than God coming through. This is a bold, a very bold prayer that depended solely on God. Before the first raindrop fell, Honey must have felt somewhat foolish. I mean, no one was twisting his arm like we've talked about. No one is forcing him to take this step of faith. He's doing it by choice. I mean, if you think about it, all throughout the Bible, it's filled with stories of people that outside of faith in the one true God must have felt they must have seemed very, very foolish. Living your life as a circle maker, prayer, praying circles over parts of your life, often feels exactly like that. It feels foolish. Why take the risk? Why put your faith to the test at that level? Why do you have to be so different? Have you ever been asked that? Why do you have to be so different? When we choose to live our lives in a way that is out of the ordinary, out of the norm, when we choose to live by faith, when we trust God for the impossible, we're putting ourselves with some really good company. Noah, must have, he must have looked pretty foolish. He must have looked pretty ridiculous building a boat in the middle of a desert when no one had ever experienced rain before. Like we read last week, the Israelites, they looked really foolish. Let's be honest, they looked straight up dumb. Marching around the fortified walls of Jericho, listening to worship music. A shepherd boy named David looked foolish, standing up to Goliath with nothing but a couple rocks and a sling. The wise men looked foolish, playing follow the leader with a star, looking for the promised Messiah. Peter looked foolish, stepping out of the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. But the results speak for themselves, don't they? Noah was saved from the flood. The Israelites saw the wall fall. David carried Goliath's head off the battlefield. The wise men found the Messiah, and Peter walked on water, even if it was just for a couple seconds longer than any of us ever did. This morning we're going to talk about another man that would have been pretty well acquainted with what it felt like to feel foolish for God. Part of what made Moses, part of what made Moses 
the man that we know him from Scripture to be, is his willingness to be used by God even in incredible odds. I mean, against crazy odds, crazy situations. Think about it. Moses had to feel foolish standing before Pharaoh, the same Pharaoh of the same place that he fled for his life. And now he's here standing in front of Pharaoh demanding Pharaoh to set his workforce free. How would you have felt standing in front of the most powerful man in the planet telling him what to do? I mean, I'd been wondering how long I'd still be breathing after that. And here Moses is standing before Pharaoh looking foolish. Moses must have felt somewhat foolish holding a stick over the water of the Red Sea, waiting for something to happen. He definitely would have felt foolish explaining to the people of Israel how God was going to make food and water magically appear for them in the middle of nowhere. But it was Moses' willingness to look foolish. It was Moses' willingness to obey God that resulted in some incredible miracles. Pharaoh did let the people go. The water did part, and God did provide a ridiculous amount of meat, a ridiculous amount of water for the Israelites, miles from the closest Costco, miles from the closest Sam's Club. God provided. Drawing prayer circles around areas of our life, it feels foolish, especially when the need is really big. If we're being honest, It seems like the bigger the thing that we're depending on God for, the more foolish we feel. The more bold our requests, the bigger the prayer circle, the more we as people feel foolish. But luckily for you and I, God isn't like us. God isn't like us. He's not sitting up there in heaven, sweating it, wondering how he's going to pull it together just this one last time to show up for us. Remember, there's a statement that we made last week. It's this, it's God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. One thing I've learned is that when it comes to miracles, there always seems to be another word associated with it. When it comes to miracles, it seems like there's always some sort of risk attached. Sometimes that risk is to our reputation. Sometimes it's stepping into a season that makes absolutely no sense. See, miracles are preceded by faith. It takes faith to see miracles happen. And faith equates to some level of risk. I remember when I worked at In-N-Out, I worked there for quite a while, and I'd probably been working there several years when my manager one day, uh, you know, I walk into the back room, and she's in the office, and uh, she's got a really bad migraine, and I know something's weird because she's in the office working with the lights off. I mean, that's just, that's just odd, right? And talking with her, she tells me she's got this migraine, and I get so scared immediately. Why do I get scared? Because literally the day before, I had just prayed and asked God to grow my faith. Of course, when you ask God to grow your faith, what's going to happen? He's going to put you in situations where you need to have faith. Know what you're asking for. But I knew instantly I was supposed to pray for her. I mean, I'm sitting there like, God, seriously? She, this, is my, this is my boss. She controls the schedule. She can fire me. And you, you're, anybody else 
the newbie that we're joking with and we're, we're talking into watering the fake plants in the dining room. Anybody else but my boss. It was scary. It was risky. It's a step of faith. But I asked her right there, I said, Olivia, can I pray for you? And, uh, you know, the funny part is she seemed just as nervous as I was, which that's pretty nervous. And uh, so I asked her to stop walking, and I, I placed my hand on her shoulder right there in front of the meat locker in the back room at In-N-Out, and I prayed. And I promised to God that was the shortest prayer I have ever prayed in my entire life because I was so nervous. Jesus, please heal her head. Help her to feel better. Help her not to be in pain. Amen. Being a circle maker is risky. It takes faith. It can be scary. But circle makers can change the world. We have to believe for God to do the impossible. The things that we can't ever imagine, how He could possibly ever do it, we've got to believe for those things because guess what? God can do it. We can't imagine it. But God can There's nothing too hard for God. I'll say it again. There is nothing too hard for God. We have to be willing to take a step of faith. Here's a quote from the book for you, Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. We talked about it. It says this. It says, you can't build God's reputation if you aren't willing to risk yours. Circle Makers are willing to step out in faith even when it's risky, even when it may cost us something because they understand who they're talking to. If you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Here's some context of the story we're about to read. Now the Israelites, they've been slaves in in Egypt for 400 years before God sends Moses. He uses Moses to see them freed. God miraculously parts the waters of the Red Sea and allows His people to walk across on dry ground. But what happens before, I mean, the water has barely closed behind them when the people begin to complain. They're complaining about this. They're complaining about that. God, how could you bring us out here to die? God supplies food from heaven called manna. Every morning, this food from heaven would appear outside their tent and they'd go and they'd collect it and they'd, they'd cook it and they'd eat it. Every day, God supplied food. God supplied water from rocks. I mean, just incredible miracles. But after a while, they get tired of eating their miracle food. They get tired of the miracle that God has already given them. If we're not careful, you and I, We can get tired. That miracle that God provided for us, that newness wears off, and then the next thing, if we're not careful, we can begin complaining about the miracle. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 to 6, it says this. It says, And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. God, all we ever see is this yesterday's miracle. As you continue reading Numbers chapter 11, you see Moses 
And he begins to get frustrated. He's frustrated with the people because of their complaining. And then we see, we see God begin to get frustrated with His people. And what this tells us is even God hates it when we complain. Let's not be people that complain. Moses brings the people's complaint to God, however, and, and, and God says this in Numbers chapter 11, verse 18 to 23. Uh, verse 18 to 23, it says, And say to the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. Yay, right? Tomorrow you will have meat to eat. But it keeps going. You were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have to eat it. And it won't be uh, just for a day or two, or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. I don't know about you, I would not want to be on that side of the conversation. I don't want to be on the receiving end of that coming from God. We'll skip ahead a bit, and, and Moses hears what God is saying to him. and I mean, it was such a huge miracle. Even for the man that Moses was, the miracles that Moses saw God do, even he is like, whoa, God, do you know what you're saying? I mean, read it for yourself. You continue reading. It says, but Moses responded to the Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me, and yet you say, I'll give them meat for a whole month? Even if we butchered all our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Listen to God's response. Then the Lord said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. You want to be encouraged? Here you go, Moses the man that God used to see all of these crazy miracles happen, that we, we open up our Bibles and we read these stories and we stand in awe about what God used Moses to do, even he didn't believe that God could do what God promised. We can all kind of exhale, we can take a deep breath. God has spoken some incredible promises over your and I over our lives. Sometimes they seem impossible. But remember, God will respond the same way He did to Moses. Has my arm lost its power? Has my arm lost its power? God, how are you going to feed 600,000 men meat for an entire month? I mean, this is one of those stories like you don't want to tell National Geographic about, you don't want to tell PETA about because they would go crazy what God is about to do, how he's about to come through for the Israelites. How is God going to provi uh, provide in this seemingly impossible situation? Let's keep reading. How does God do what he promised? We find the answer in verse 31 to 32 in Numbers 11. It says, now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all that day and all throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. Think about this. I mean, it's a blanket, a literal blanket of quail three feet deep and miles in every direction. That's my kind of blanket. Some translations say three feet deep and a day's walk in every direction. I mean, a day's walk for these people would have been between 12 and 15 miles. We're talking about a massive 
amount of birds. This passage, as you read it, it says 50 bushels. The other amount of measurement that we're told is uh, 10 homers. Okay, it says that no one collected less than 10 homers. So some people collected more, but nobody collected less. So through some research, I found out that one homer is 43 ounces. Your average size quail is about four ounces, so we'll round down because we don't want to exaggerate. What God did is incredible enough. We don't need to exaggerate it. So if one homer is 43 ounces, your average quail is four ounces, we'll round down and we'll say 10 quail per homer. So now no one gathered less than 100 quail. That was the minimum, 100 quail. Basic math, okay, we're going back to some hardcore elementary math skills right now, but I already did all the work, so don't sweat it. A hundred quail per person times 600,000 fighting men. That equals 60 million quail. 60 million quail. And we doubt God's goodness and provision. If God can provide 60 million quail for people that didn't even believe that he could do what he said he was going to do, don't you think he can provide for us? Don't you think he can provide for you? God is good. God didn't just provide in dramatic fashion, but he provided in dramatic proportions. Don't you think he wants to do the same for you? I'm going to cut straight to the heart of what I want all of us to take away from this. God desires to provide for you in that way, in this way. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, too hard for God. The same God that fed 5,000 people with a couple fish and loaves of bread. The same God that flew 60 million quail to the Israelites in the middle of the desert. The same God that sent His perfect Son to die on a cross to open the door to having a relationship with us. I mean, I can keep going. The same God that dropped the walls of Jericho. The same God that parted the sea, not once, but twice. You get the point? I'm going to keep going anyways. The same God that spoke everything you and I have ever known, everything you and I have ever seen into reality in an instant. The same God that sent a whale or fish, whatever you want to believe, to swallow Jonah, a man that was running from God's plan because God didn't want him. He loved him too much. He didn't want him to have to live in disobedience. But the miracle gets even better. He didn't just send the whale to get Jonah. He then gave MapQuest directions to the whale on how to take Jonah to where he wanted him to go in the first place. The same God that sent angels to close the mouths of some hungry lions so Daniel wouldn't be eaten. The same God that put a baby Jesus in the womb of a virgin. The same God that turned water into wine for a newly married couple at their wedding. The same God that walked on water. That's the same God that wants to provide for us. That's the same God that we're praying to. It's the same God that we're putting our faith in, that we're believing is going to come through for for us. It's the same God. God doesn't change. He's still the same. He wants to care for you. He wants to provide for you in the same way, not just in dramatic fashion, but dramatic proportions. Because there's nothing too hard for God. Part of being a circle maker isn't just circling things and praying. 
but it's believing that there's no limit to what God can do. It's hard and easy all at the same time. It's hard because we see this next to impossible situation right in front of us, but it's easy because look what he's already done. We judge future potential. Man, I want you to catch this. We judge future potential by past results. The potential for what God can do for you and I, we judge that by, by what He's already done and He's already proven Himself to be limitless. In Numbers 11.23 it says, Has my arm lost its power? Another translation says, Is there anything too hard for me? See, last week I challenged us to commit to being circle makers, to commit to praying over areas of our lives, over situations. This morning I'm challenging you to go a step further, to take your faith a step further, to believe and draw circles, not just around what makes sense to us, but to believe and draw circles around what seems impossible to us. Don't grow tired of praying for the impossible. Don't get distracted and lose hope because we serve the God of the impossible. Don't just pray over issues and situations of today. Don't pray over what seems to be this huge deal, right? Don't pray over just the problems of today, but pray for the future as well. Believe God for the future as well. See, I'm I'm not the kind of person that's ever going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. I want to share with you, I want to share with you some things that I've been praying about. Since, you know, last Sunday marked the two-year mark that, that we've been here. Two years that we've been here living life with you guys here at Christian Life. Since we came here, I mean, two years now, and really, even before that, because we were praying even before we met any of you, that God would, could do a work where he was sending us. For two years plus, we've been praying that God would do a work, that God would do something special. And we know that, that God has, has given us a very unique calling. I mean, God has called us to serve hurting and struggling churches. And, and through this, his, his help is to see those churches revived. Okay? We know what God has called us to do, and we've been praying for this church for a long time. Making disciples of all generations is not just some corny tagline. It's not just some line that we made up so we can put on a website and put on Facebook and print out on this and print out on that. It's not a corny tagline. This is what God has called us to do, to make disciples of all generations. We've been praying that every person, no matter their age, no matter their nationality, would be compelled to come here to Christian life and to start and grow a relationship with Jesus. And the incredible thing is we've begun to see that happen. Every Sunday, when I see kids before and after service running around in here, having fun, it gets me excited because I know they're learning about Jesus and that's what I prayed for. When I see people using their gifts and serving, it gets me fired up. Why? Because that's what we prayed for. 
You guys probably don't know this, and, and she's not here right now to, to be mad at me, but we, uh, just this week we had someone here in our church that stepped up and, and she started using her gifts. She started using some, some things that she enjoys doing for the good of our church. She took over our social media and she's posting things on Facebook and she's going crazy. She's posted all kinds of stuff. She's already doing a hundred times better than Veronica and I ever have because she's using the talents and giftings that God has given her. That gets me excited because that's what we prayed for. When I see people engaged in conversations of all ages, joking around, building relationships, it gets me excited because this is what we've been praying for. Yeah, we have work to do, but I thank God for what he's already done. I thank God for what he's doing here. You know what I'm circling for the future? Talking about impossible things. God has given us a huge vision. It's given us a huge dream, and I've been circling it. And I'm going to continue to circle it. You guys know the last couple years here have been hard. As a church, we faced a lot over the, the last couple years. But I've been praying, I've been circling all those churches just like us that are facing the same situation. I've been circling and I've been praying for them because I believe that God wants them to step in. He's got a plan for them and He wants them to accomplish His plan in their communities just like He wants us to do it in ours. I'm circling them and I'm praying for them because I believe that one day we're going to be able to help them. You and I, Christian life, our church family will be able to help other churches walk through the same situations that we've walked through. That we can encourage them and lift them up and, and help them and serve them. It's a huge ask. I don't know how it'll happen. I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know a lot of things. But that's what I'm believing God for. Because that's what I believe He's spoken. To us, there's a lot of things that seem impossible, but to him, nothing's impossible. I want to encourage you to continue to do what we talked about last week. Draw those circles around those needs in your life and in the lives of others, but I also want to challenge you, don't put limits on our God. Don't put limits on our limitless God. Believe God for the impossible. Believe God for the impossible for today. Believe God and, and draw circles around your future, around what God has for you. Don't settle. Don't settle. Thank you for listening to this message. We trust that it's left you feeling loved, encouraged, and challenged to grow. If we can help you grow in your walk with Jesus, please connect with us on Facebook or on our website. We would ask that you subscribe and rate this podcast so that we can continue to stay up to date with you on what's happening here at Christian Life and so that others can hear. We'll see you next week on the Christian Life Podcast.